This is part one of the two-part episode entitled Hole in One or You'll Be Done, written by Aaron Robbins. This episode is intended for daring ears, nine and older. On a scale where one is not scary at all, the kids' scare score for this episode is a six out of ten. Learn more about the show by visiting MrErie'sMysterySeries.com and please consider leaving a rating or review after the episode. Just a few stars can help a writer feel better about who they are. Thank you. Welcome to Mr. Erie's Mystery Series. My name is Edward Erie, Chief Uncover Near at Mr. Erie's Disturbing Detective Agency. If you're experiencing something odd or unusual, give my agency a ring and leave a message on the machine. For those unconvinced of our proficiency in handling peculiar predicaments, please listen to the following client testimonial message which speaks to our conundrum coaching ability. Please note, our answering machine alters the age and tone of the caller's voice in case a mimic machine, grim personator or blobcaster is listening. And now, another mysterious message left on my machine. Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency, where we are proud to announce the grand reopening of our state-of-the-art hatting cages. Step inside one of our speed-adjustable cages and have hats thrown at your head for sessions lasting up to three nights. For those not interested in dodging flying headwear, please leave a message with a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. Now, prepare yourself for the beep waits for no one. Hello? A machine? That's good, actually. Now I don't have to worry about how I sound. I can just say it as it happened. Okay. Here it goes. My name is Sarah Rushmore. And let me cut right to the chase, Mr. Erie. I need your advice. The future of the world relies on it. I have an issue, and it's a big one. It's center stage, you might say. I got this number from Eugene. Eugene Hunt from Well Barber High. I'm actually surprised this is a real number. Because if you know Eugene, you know most of what he says can't be trusted. Maybe this time he's right. Or maybe it's too late for me. That's the problem. I don't know what to do. Here's what happened and what I need your help with. Wall Barber. That's the town I live in. Have you heard of it? I'm sure Eugene made it sound like a sprawling metropolis, but it's not. It's a small town located in the northeast, up in the hills. For at least a hundred miles in any direction, there is nothing but trees. If you're looking for Wall Barber on a map, find the city of Castle Rock. Then swing your finger north about two inches to a little black dot. That black dot, like a hole in a sea of green, is Wall Barber. Who knew so much could happen in such a little place? 
We have a high school. It's small and located at the edge of town. I'm in my second year at Wallbarber High, and, come to think of it, that's really where the trouble started. Not with being a sophomore, that part is okay. But the high school. Wallbarber High School. That's where the trouble really began. This year, my parents wanted me to join a school club. I didn't want to, but they insisted. Clubs and community activities look good on a resume, my mom said. And applications, too, my dad added. So I did. I joined the smallest, most non-athletic club I could find. If you're thinking the drama club, think again. They're surprisingly athletic, especially if you're a stagehand. Nope, I joined something called Mystery Mentors. Then I recruited my best friend and fellow sophomore, Sophia Garcia. She's the treasurer, and I'm the vice president. Don't be too impressed. There are only three people in the club, and we don't have any formal activities. We're supposed to go to the elementary school and teach the history of Wallbarber, making it sound like an interesting place to live. There's only one problem. Wallbarber isn't interesting, and there's only one elementary school in town, and they can only handle so many of Eugene's conspiracy theories. Eugene Hunt, as you've probably guessed, is the founder and president of Mystery Mentors. The club charter, that's like the founding document, stated we'd have to hold daily meetings during lunch. That lasted about a week. When Sophia and I realized that every meeting was going to be nothing more than Eugene talking about Wall Barber High's missing class of 2005, we decided to make meetings once a week and by phone. The charter says we have to meet daily, Eugene said. The class of 2005 is alive, and we owe it to them to find real answers. I can't tell you how many times I heard this statement. Let's vote on it, said Sophia. All in favor of once-a-week phone meetings, say I. We won. Two votes to one. It was a Thursday night, a few months later, when the trouble really began. I was in my room studying for Friday's tests. My history book was serving as a coaster for a plate of snacks as I studied from Miss Lingott's child development book. As far as Wallbarber teachers go, Miss Lingott is hard. Her tests are closed note and closed book. My parents have an, if you can get an A in one class, you can get an A in all your classes philosophy. Not so, I told them. History is open note and open book. It's an easy A. I barely even have to show up. They said that should give me plenty of time to concentrate on my harder classes. So, there I was studying for a test when the phone rang. Oh no, I thought it's Thursday, meeting day. Was it seven already? I looked at the clock. It was past seven. How about that? Eugene was late to his own club meeting. I picked up the phone. I can't meet tonight, I said. Miss Lingett is killing me. Same, said Sophia. Let's push this week's group call so I can get back to studying how kids learn the numeral system. Right, I said. Septuple, octuple, nonuple. Wow, someone's been studying. Eugene's voice broke into our banter. He sounded serious and out of breath. Listen up. I've made a discovery, and it's big, really big. Emergency meeting tomorrow. We can't talk on the phone. It's not safe. Tomorrow lunch. I heard his line click, and that was it. That was the whole meeting. I should have been excited that Sophia and I got off so easy this week, but there was something in his voice. Something different. Well, that was weird, I said. 
Eugene's weird, said Sophia. She's right, but this was a different kind of weird. I paused to think. A few minutes later, my mom knocked on the door. Who was on the phone? She asked. Club meeting, I said. You know, Sarah, it's good you're challenging yourself, she said. Right, I thought. Mystery mentors was a real challenge. Sure. I nodded, and my mom continued. Don't forget, your father and I have the Land Trust Gala tomorrow night, so you'll need to watch Alex. Alex is my younger brother. No problemo, I said. My mom lingered at the door and then said the thing I was hoping she wouldn't. You know, Miss Culver will be at the gala. The theater is looking for a teenage. I cut her off. Nope, not interested. I just thought I'd check, my mom said. You loved it so much and you were good. I'm right in the middle of studying, I said. Honestly, I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. The door to my room clicked closed, and I heard my mom leave down the hall. I couldn't believe she'd said that, all of it. But especially the last part, the part about me being good. Who does she think she is kidding? I was there. It was me that it happened to. Parents are such... Well, let's just say this. Parents have a selective and erroneous way of thinking about things. Mrs. Lingett would call it a positive bias and say that an unbalanced positive orientation may lead to problems with emotional development. Did I want to act again? No, never. Not after the reviews I got. I can still hear their words. No one will be rushing to see any more of Sarah Rushmore. Sarah Rushmore should rush more to an acting school before rushing back on stage. The debut performance of Wallbarber hopeful Sarah Rushmore left the audience wanting less, not more. Here's the truth. I wasn't good. In fact, I was awful. <laughs> the next day at school, I aced Mr. Trapp's history test. I couldn't tell you what was on it, but I didn't miss a single question. At lunch, Sophia and I sat in our usual spot, the stairs across from the Wall Barber Hall of Fame. Now, don't go getting the wrong idea. This isn't a hallway filled with the accomplishments of standout students and faculty. No, the Hall of Fame is what we call the very plain and very boring main hallway. The only thing interesting about the hallway is that it's lined with a graduating class photo from every class since like 1960-something. In cursive white letters above the class photos, it says... At Wallbarber High, every graduate is a Hall of Famer. I guess the class of 2005 didn't make the cut because it's the only year that doesn't have a picture hanging on the wall. It's not something I would have noticed unless Eugene hadn't pointed it out. And here's a big surprise. Eugene Hunt has more than a few ideas on why it's missing. Aliens. Secret underground bunker. Time shift. I've heard it all. They're interesting theories. Or... More like stories. A theory is supposed to explain something that is otherwise unknown. And the fate of Class 2005 is both known and, honestly, not that interesting. In 2005, there were only six students in the senior class. While Barber was afraid the small class size would make the town look like it was shrinking, 
This, in turn, would scare off potential businesses looking to move to the area, so they skipped the graduation ceremony and the photo. Instead, the six seniors got to have an all-night graduation party at a small amusement park. Imagine that, having a little amusement park all to yourself. I'd skip the photo for that, so would Sophia. Every time I've explained this to Eugene, he points out that Wallbarber doesn't have an amusement park. It's an old town, I say. Things come and go. Then he'll point out how the class of 1973 only has five people in it. So according to Eugene, class size couldn't be a factor. You think Wallbarber cared about class size in the 70s? I don't think so. Honestly, I thought he'd dropped the theory. I thought we'd moved past it. I was sure mystery mentor's lack of invites to speak at elementary schools had finally convinced Eugene to give up his quest for a more sinister explanation. That's what I was hoping for anyway, but that's not what happened. Sophia and I were eating lunch on the steps. All of a sudden, I heard heavy footsteps and the jingle of like a hundred keys behind me. I knew that jingle well. You'd make a terrible burglar, I said as Eugene descended the stairs past us. What do those keys open anyway? asked Sophia. They don't open anything. They're a symbol of the path, said Eugene. The path to what? asked Sophia. Eugene didn't answer. Instead, he looked up and down the hall like someone about to spill some beans they didn't want others to see or hear. Eugene leaned in, so close I could feel his breath. He seemed hesitant to speak. Then he did, and his words were quick. I found it, he said. Found what? Sophia asked. Eugene raised his finger to his mouth. Not here. Not now, he said. There are too many ears listening. Tonight. We meet at seven behind the school at Mulligan Woods. I hope you're not planning on trespassing, I said. Yeah, said Sophia. I think our charter says something about not engaging in illegal conduct. Eugene made small, downward movements with his hands, like he was trying to calm two angry customers. Look, I'm serious, he said, and you can't tell anyone. This isn't about the club. It's bigger. Well, if it's not about the club, then we don't have to go, I said. Sophia smiled and bumped her fist against mine. That's right, he said. I'm not asking as president. I'm asking as a friend. Please come. Eugene looked so serious. Standing in the Hall of Fame, in his yellow homemade Class of 2005 is Alive t-shirt. I felt for him. Not sorry. Something else. I guess I felt sad that no one believed in him. I knew something about that. No one believed in me when I was trying to act. My mom would say how good I was, but if you believe in someone, you tell them the truth so they can get better. So no one believed in me. Not really. Truth be told, I didn't even believe in myself. So I felt for Eugene. That's why I said it. We'll be there. Sophia looked at me like I was crazy. It'll be fun, I said. Maybe we'll see the ghosts of the missing class of 2005. Sophia made ghost sounds, and we both laughed. Eugene's face went stone cold. Don't say that. Don't you ever say that. I told Eugene to settle down. Relax, man. We were just joking around. But you could see he wasn't listening. His eyes said his thoughts were elsewhere. Tonight, he said, 7 p.m., don't be late. And just like that, he was off. Are we really going to hang out with Eugene on a Friday night? Asked Sophia. No, I said. We're going to hang out with a friend. 
When I got home from school, I dropped my backpack in the hall. I was too tired to hang it up. After a week of studying, all I wanted to do was sit on the couch, veg out, and not think about school. I walked into the living room and found my 11-year-old brother lying upside down on the couch playing video games. Can't you sit like a normal human being? I asked. This is how a normal human being sits. I swear, my brother has oppositional defiant disorder. That means he likes to disagree with people. On the TV were images of cartoon characters running around the screen building bases. Which one are you? I asked. The one in the dragon mask. Just then, the dragon-masked character disappeared in a flash of blue light. No fair, said Alex. A second later, his character appeared and ran off towards the hordes of other characters. He lasted a full second before the blue light thingy wiped his character from the screen. Oh, come on, cheap shot, said Alex. Aren't you tired of this game? I asked. Alex raised his arms in the air. I won't quit until I'm the best. I hate to say it, but that day seems very far away, I said. It'll take a while. So what? It's a waste of time if you ask me. Alex put the controller down and turned over. Games are made to be challenging, he said. That doesn't make them a waste of time. Actually, that's what makes them worth playing. One thing was clear. Alex wasn't moving off the couch. I retired to my room and laid down. A knock on my bedroom door woke me up from an unplanned nap. Sarah? It was my mom. Sarah, we're leaving now. Leaving, I thought. Where are they going? Then I remembered. The gala. Dinner is in the freezer. Bedtime is ten for Alex. Eleven for you. No exceptions. Okay, I said. Then I heard my dad ask where the car keys were. That made me think of Eugene. The meeting. I told Eugene I'd be there but I'd totally forgotten about the gala and watching my brother. My mom went downstairs, and as soon as she did, I leapt over my bed to check the alarm clock. It was 6.30. I called Sophia to tell her I couldn't make the meeting, but there was no answer. I thought about calling Eugene, but then I remembered he didn't give out his home phone number. For a moment, I considered taking Alex with me. He's 11. He can handle it, right? The garage rumbled below me as my parents left for the gala. 6.30. There's no way Sophia had already left to meet Eugene. I'd just have to keep trying her number till she picked up. Downstairs, I found Alex sitting on the dinner table. Off the table, I said. Alex spun around and pushed himself off. Hey, he said. Your friend called while you were sleeping. Sophie, I think. You mean Sophia? He shrugged. What did she say? She said she was going early and to meet her there, he said. I put a frozen pizza in the oven and called Sophia a few more times with no success. The thought of her alone at Mulligan Woods with Eugene sat like a frozen pizza in my stomach. Abandoning your best friend and a friend you just made. Not a class act on my part. I just had to tell Sophia I couldn't go. Her house wasn't far. I could run there and back in 15 minutes tops. But would Alex let me leave him alone? I certainly didn't want him hearing anything about the woods. Or the class of 2005. Just then I had an idea. Miss Lingott's class.
Reverse psychology, it had to work. A few minutes later, the buzzer for the pizza went off. Alex jumped out and ran towards the oven. Not so fast, I said. You're too young to get a pizza out of the oven. You might hurt your little gaming fingers. I'm almost 12, he said. I think I can handle pizza. Well, I'm here to babysit because mom and dad said you were too scared to stay alone. Alex laughed. Me, scared, he said. Please, I could home alone this place like a boss. I conjured up the most condescending laugh I could. Care to see how brave you really are? Alex took a step toward me and patted my shoulder. You really are a terrible actor, he said. But it's okay, I'm fine. Go hang out with Sophia. Just be home before nine. Really? I asked. You sure you're okay? I'm just going to sit here and play video games, Sarah. It'll be fine. Thank you, Alex, I said, racing for the front door. No problemo, he said. Here's something you won't find in Miss Lingott's child development book. When a kid says, no problemo, they know more than they're letting on. I didn't catch it then. I was too worried that Sophia was stuck in the woods listening to Eugene talk about all sorts of disturbing theories. The school is eight blocks away. I got there in seven minutes flat. Mulligan Woods is behind the school a ways. There is an old service road that leads past the gym, the field, and then an area where the school keeps broken electrical equipment. A quarter mile further, the road enters a thick stand of trees and turns to gravel. The moon was out and I could see the stars. The stars in Wall Barber are beautiful at night. Luckily, there was nothing going on at the school. The lights were out and the parking lot was empty. I couldn't believe it. I was 30 minutes late. Was Sophia going to be mad? I knew I would be. If my best friend ditched me on a Friday night, leaving me to listen to tall tales and unlikely explanations, yeah, she was going to be mad. I kept walking, hoping to run into them, but I didn't. A thin blanket of mist began to wander through the trees. The road became narrow, and an old fence with rusted no-trespassing signs appeared. For some reason, that made me feel uneasy. Walking down a scary road by yourself was one thing. Walking down a road with a fence. For some reason, that was scarier to me. Maybe because I felt trapped. The farther I walked down that road, the more I began to doubt the mystery mentors had come this way. They were probably back at the school or downtown somewhere. There was no way Sophia and Eugene headed into Mulligan Woods alone. Not at night. Not with the fog coming in. I turned around to head back towards the school. But just then, a glint of light on the ground caught my eye. I walked towards it. An eerie chill ran over my body. It was a key. I turned around back towards the woods and started walking a bit further. There were more. More keys. Along the edge of the road. Keys. Placed every 20 feet and all in the same way. The jagged end pointed down the road like tiny metal arrows... I remembered what Eugene said at lunch. The keys are the path. Sophia and Eugene were down this road, and I wanted to know why. But just then, I heard a sound. A voice. Was it them? Oh, goodness to grasshoppers. Will you look at that? It appears my answering machine ran out of tape at this point in the message. Don't worry, 
a warning plays when this happens, informing the caller of the situation and asking them to call back and finish their message at a later date. In this case, I'm happy to report Miss Sarah Rushmore did just that. Stay tuned for the conclusion of her message, which I'm sure is available now or will be shortly. While that concludes another message from Mr. Eerie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please consider leaving a rating or review. Your support means the world to our agents. Please don't delay. Leave a rating or review today. Thank you for listening, and as always, we wish you an undisturbing day. <laughs> <laughs>